Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, and welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this show in the podcast, this will be episode 239. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And it's just the two of us on the show tonight. We might be joined by Zach during the show, not sure if we're going to get that happening or not. But that's something to stay tuned for. Let's just see if, if Zach calls in or, or not. But it's been a hell of a busy week. Yeah, I didn't I didn't expect it to be as busy no. as when the week started. For sure. I, I was thinking we'll have a bit of a shorter show tonight, maybe an hour to an hour and a half, yeah. not do our usual two hours. But jam-packed. We've got lots of Whitecap stuff to talk about, lots of MLS stuff to talk about. Canadian and, soccer. Yeah, Canadian soccer. What a... Turnips. What an interesting yeah. week. Let's put it in a, a nicest kind of way, at least for now. But we'll kick things off, as usual, with some Whitecaps news. And most of the Whitecaps news this week seemed to be made by Carl Robinson, really, because he spoke to media for the first time on Wednesday. For the first time this year. First time this year, yeah. yeah. No, first time ever. He's, he has done it before. Yeah. But everything was streamed live on Facebook, it's up on YouTube, I'm sure lots of you have seen it. So we're not going to include any of the, the Robo chat in this show, because you, you can find it in so many places online. But we do want to talk about some of the main talking points that kind of came from it. And one of the major ones appears to be that he is toying with a new formation. And it's something we talked about last week in the show. Yeah. And I said, pre-season's an ideal time for him to kind of experiment with that. And Zach's like, I really hope he's not going to use pre-season to experiment. But by the signs of it, he's going to use pre-season to experiment. Once in a while, there's nothing wrong with it. When are you going to experiment I, I otherwise? I don't see anything wrong yeah. with it. That's what pre-season is for. Yeah. I don't know why you would be expecting like, okay, I'm going to go with this. Never tried it before. Let's just do it. Well, and that's he, it. he mentioned the RSL game in, in his comments, I think, uh, yes. at one point when he talked about not doing it in the middle of the season. Uh, you need the pre-season to experiment with this. Uh, any kind of new formation, even to talk about it, like you can you discuss it, show film, show video and stuff like that because you want to have it in the preseason game, have it on video, and then you could show it in film sessions afterwards and discuss where everybody was supposed to be, if there was an error, where they were supposed to be instead of where they were. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely have to, to try things out in 
in pre-season. And by the sounds of it, it looks like three at a back is very, very possible. There's so many different formations, so it's like you've got three five two, you've got three one four two. I mean, yeah. we went through all these last week. Three four three. I'm hoping whatever it is, it means we're going to have a two striker system because yeah. we've got Kamara and Blondell, and to me, that's very exciting. And three at the back, as long as we've got the right personnel to do it. It looks like that is the trendy thing to do. A lot of English clubs are using it, European clubs, Colorado Rapids. It looks pretty certain that they're going to do that under Hudson. It's a formation he's like with New Zealand. So I'm excited to see how it works in pre-season and it'll give them a chance if it doesn't work well to look at something else. Uh, and that's definitely for sure. Um, and I, I think that the, um, the 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 main thing, you're talking about Blundell and Kamara too. It could be Kamara to Chera. Um, which is Jared could be playing up front too, as, with, a, as with having Blondell on uh, the wing. It could be Reina up there too. So there's a uh, with with the three five two. It's uh, so many different possibilities. I think the main focus is, especially in training, you want to know how the uh, the central defenders are working with the the attacking fullbacks. Well, and, and I think it's the fullbacks that really have to work on what they got to do because they got to know when to go forward and when to hang back. And I think that, that I think that's going to be the main focus in training. Yeah, and it, it's fitting the, the personnel into it as well because you've you've got so many talented guys in, in the Whitecaps lineup potentially and it's trying to fit fit them in. The, the three at the back, let, let's just look at that quickly just now. I mean, are you assuming that it's going to be the, the three centre-backs of Henry, Parker and Waston? Or do you do Parker, Waston and stick De Jong back there which mm, he tried so. in the Montreal game yeah I'm not a big fan of that I think it is the ones the initial one you talk about uh, uh, they'll try that at first of course they could bring in more players too because if you're going to go 3-5-2 you need a couple more uh, mobile uh, uh, you know central center halves in order to make that work and I put a poll out on Twitter just a couple of hours ago so I Probably should have done this way earlier. I just wasn't thinking, so I only did it a couple of hours ago. So we've had 80, 80 votes so far in it. Just asking what the preferred formation would be. And I gave three options. I gave 352, 442, 4231, or other to, to let us know. 50% like the 352, 25% like the 442, 19% went for 4231, and only 6% wanted something a, a bit different from that and had a few interesting comments from it as well and I'll, I'll just kind of go over a, a few of them in a second but on the phone just now we th- should have Zach calling in so let's just give him a, a big AFT and welcome just now. Evening Zachary. How are you doing? Good, nice of you to join us. Yeah, pr- it's nice to be here. I, I had to call in because you. Were, I think you were misrepresenting my views from last week. Oh possibly. We were just talking about formations just now, but before I kind of read some tweets about that, what right now, without seeing how things work and how stuff are played, how are you finding the with the team that we've got? What formation would you like to see? Not what you think is going to go, but what what would you like to see? Yeah, it would be nice to see something where there's more player two two strikers up front would be something that I think would be nice to see some kind of partnership up front. What, what I was saying last week about the formations in the preseason was I hope that uh, – I, I just wouldn't use the term experimenting. I hope that there's a plan going into preseason where they're saying, we know the players we have. 
because we've had a bunch of them in the past and we've scouted them extensively, the ones we brought in, and this is how we think they best work. And we're going to have at least two, um, two planned formations, tactical approaches that we're planning on using throughout the year so that, yeah, you might, you might use it in preseason and it's terrible. And then you might say, okay, maybe we need to scrap that or whatever. I just wouldn't use the term experimenting. Um, okay, uh, sorry, sorry if I misrepresented you. No, I, okay. I picked you up a little bit wrong there then. No, no worries. Couple of, just a couple of tweets that we've had. Murray Lynn at Murray D. Lynn says, 3-1-3-3 would be an interesting one. Or, given the recent signing pattern, 6-3-1, I, I think 3-6-1 is more, more likely because we seem to be like jam-packing our, our midfield with a lot of DMs. Greg Petrie at Ardham World says he's fine with whatever formation they want to play as long as they have the suitable players for that formation. No more insisting on 4-2-3-1 with a striker incapable of being a lone striker, for instance. I do think Kamara kind of negates that because I, I think he can play lone striker if, if we need to. Uh, Ken Funk, uh, Kunky Fen, he does say 3-6-1 or 3-4-2-1, which I think could be quite likely. 3 4 2 one Gives Robbo that little bit of defensive stability. And although it's not a two-striker system, you've got those two attackers, which could be Reyna and Blondell with, with Kamara at the top of that. Because he just feels that Robbo cannot play two forwards. A year or two ago, Schalke was messing around with like a, something like a 3-1-3-3 or something. And it, was, it wasn't just them. There was a couple of teams in the Bundesliga that were doing it. It was really it was like a 3-2-3-1. My math might be wrong. No, yeah, my math's wrong on that. But anyways, it, it was three at the back and two, and then another three in midfield with kind of one either side and a, a three up top. And it was just, it was really interesting. They didn't stay with it long term, but it was interesting to it was it was it was interesting because it was new and I'd never seen anyone use it before. I think I think, I, think, I don't think it'll be that experimental. I think it'll no. be a three five two or a five three two will be kind of what they look at. So but we were. We kicked off, I don't know if you heard this at the show, but Robbo made most of the, the, the talking points in Whitecaps land this week with uh, his press scrum. And one of the things when he was talking in the scrum was he basically confirmed the signing of Efrain Juarez, who there was a little bit in the Mexican press over the weekend that although it looks like it's a done deal, that it may be just a late snag. It didn't really explain what it, what it was, but that. It looks like it's a done deal. And although he'd played right back whilst he was in Monterey, midfield is his favourite position. It was a position he played when he was with Celtic, although he only had a very brief stint there. I don't even remember him being at Celtic before he, he got loaned out, which I think it was to Real Zaragoza. But midfield is, is the, the position he wants to play. DM, maybe CM. And that was one of the selling points of him coming to Vancouver. And... That makes me feel a bit better than him coming in at, at right back because it, it was hard to see him and Nerwinski both getting in the same team if, if he wanted to play right back. But I feel more comfortable that he's maybe going to be a DM or a, or a CM, Steve, and I think it's a very exciting signing for us. Yeah, I think, well, if you if if you take him, like we were talking beforehand, if he's a right back, he played right back and he was an attacking guy, if he's playing midfield, I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, he's a DM. He's another DM. He's just going to sit back there." But uh, to me, he looks sounds like a box to box type of guy. That uh, uh, you know, a converter, uh, a guy who plays right back last year, is comes to the midfield. He's going to be running up and down the field like he was down the wing. I'm assuming. 
So I and I, he'll bring a little bit more, I think, uh, playmaking ability in there. Yeah, and I think he he could be the ideal guy to connect. I haven't seen him very much. I've only seen highlights, but he seems like a guy that can connect the 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 back to the front. Uh, is that a signing that excites you, Zach? Uh, I don't know. I've heard some people who were not super impressed with with the the. the well, that the, is the, the Whitecaps fan base in a nutshell. No matter what they no, do, no, going to be no, it was, super it was, no, it wasn't just the fan base. It was actually uh, uh, other people, or um, like pundits. Yeah, I heard at least one who was very disappointed in the in the reports. But uh, I too have not seen enough of him to be like, oh, for sure he's going to be. Yeah, he's going to be like a holding midfielder like we've had in the past, or he's going to be box to box or or whatever. I I think if 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 he if he ends up obviously if he ends up being an improvement on what we have, then that's that's great. That's a positive thing. Uh, also, if he can cover it right back, and it means Danielle Henry or Tim Parker are not coming right back, also a very positive thing. Yes. Um. So so you know time will tell, and we'll, we'll have to see. You know, right now we're looking at like. What I don't know, the jigsaw is what, like 80% done or 75% done or whatever, so it's not quite complete yet. Um, so, you know, end of February, beginning of March, I think we'll have a bit of a better idea of who's going to be where and, 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 and even, even what kind of, you know, formation and tactical approach they're going to fit into. Well, he, he has said as well that he is still looking to add. He's looking for a third goalkeeper. He's looking for another right back, possibly a number 10 as well. So I think there will be some additions for that to happen. He did say there's going to be some subtractions as well. And there's some obvious candidates that you think could get moved on. Brick Shea, I mean, he strikes you as the, the obvious one, but because Tony, Tony Chani even could be a guy that they look to move. Because they're big money guys. And yeah. if, you're, if you're going to bring in big money people, you got to take out. Uh, because of the salary what, gap. Why do you have to do that? There's what is it? Is it two point eight million in uh, what's the what are they calling it now? The the new the new TAM money. Yam. Yeah, but, but you, you don't really know how much they've spent on that. That's the big problem with this. You just don't know what's left. It's almost impossible to work it out. And I mean, Robo did said there had there had to be some movement before he could bring more in. There's also international issues. Uh, you have oh, to move. Might have to move. Well, yeah. International spots and. You it, it it even if you have the TAM or YAM or whatever you have, um, you still have to fit it under the original cap, and so uh, I it's too complicated to figure out. If he's saying he's got to move people out, then he's got to move people out. Yeah, I, and, and there's the it, internal budget too. Uh, well, the, yes, the, uh, everybody talks about that, so that might be uh, play a factor in there as well. Well, they haven't they haven't confirmed Bola yet, but it's basically been reported that he's gone, right? Well, yeah, I mean, Bola's basically confirmed that he's gone. He's in another kit. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> yeah. well. That means not a lot as well. We'll come to in a, in a later part. But yeah, I mean, he's tweeted out that he's joined Saprisa again. That the club where he started it all. He came through the youth academy there. This is his third stint there. He said he's done it for his family, moving back there. I I, I think it's. I'm sad to see him go. We had an article during the 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 week. Uh, on AFTN about it from Gareth Wolfe and I'm sad to see him go but at the same time it makes total sense because he's a luxury I don't think the Caps can afford in the kind of anti-position game that they play Yeah but then then some of the speculation reports is that Davide will be replacing him. Well yes but but only if he comes in on a cheap ticket Yeah but he's going to be on a much cheaper ticket you have to think and a guy that doesn't look like he's going to be anywhere in a Whitecaps kit next year is Noza Ijibor. And we talked about it in last week's show. I'll just give a, a brief update. I'm, I'm limited in what I can say 
Um, and uh, I got a little bit of information during the week, but the person that told me doesn't really want all the ins and outs to, to, to get out there. But basically, don't believe everything that you're reading on Twitter about the, the Nosa situation. What? I know, hard to, hard to believe. It's Now, we, we, we're bad for this as well. It's easy to, to cast aspersions against the front office and say, oh, they're being tight or they're trying to under, underpay him and not do all those things. Not everything is as it seems around Nosa. My understanding of the situation is the Caps were prepared to sign him at his option. Noza and his agents try to play a little bit of hardball, and it's backfired on them. And now they're kind of they're kind of in uh, now they're in damage limbo. control. Yeah, the yeah, damage control is a good way of putting it. Some people are being played out there in social media land, so I don't believe everything that's out there. But it, it looks pretty much dead in the water that Noza's not coming back unless he accepts. Less. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I was disappointed at first, but after hearing. Some ins and outs of it. I I think it's good that the Whitecaps have decided to go in a different direction. It, it might not. It might be best not dealing with this. There's a few agents right now using certain people uh, on Twitter. Mm. There's a few agents just putting things out there for their clients. That's what agents are there for. Yeah. A couple, couple things. Maybe one's his manager, one's his agent. Possibly. But, yeah. Um, but yes. The, the other point. thing. The other thing is just for the record. I I, I wasn't thinking the. You know the front office was looking to underpay him. I actually, when we talked about this initially when his yeah. option was declined, I actually thought they might be not taking his option because they wanted to give him a better deal than what his option was. So it's uh, it's interesting to hear how this is all kind of played out. Yes. And, and, and or the thing, playing out. And the thing is, people talked about Noza. Like I, I agree that he seems like a very good player, but he's only he only what played two games for them or something like that. Let's not like you know put him on a pedestal where we have to like you know <laughs> demand answers or something like that it just yeah. didn't work out it's something that didn't work out sometimes and R- robo did say like robo is really good you can read a lot into what he doesn't say or you can read interpretations into what he does say and he did say this is a guy that's had a number of clubs in a number of years we'll just leave it at that some more positive news Canadian Championship schedule was announced, and it's later this year. It's in the summer. July and August, after the World Cup, so at least that makes sense. They're not clashing with the World Cup, which I really thought they might do. They also mentioned in one article uh, that it was, uh, I don't know if that's, this is what CSA was doing, but they said that they were uh, trying to get away from the NHL playoffs as well. Ah, okay. And so they were trying to push it uh, back that way. I don't know, it could probably, it's probably a combination of both World Cup and that. So, Whitecaps, away in Montreal on July 18th, then back in Vancouver a week later. Thankfully, both games back and being a Wednesday, none of the ridiculous Tuesdays that that had the Whitecaps playing so quick after uh, an MLS game. And then once we beat Montreal, uh, we'll be taking on... Oakville. Um, Oakville, yeah, in the final <laughs> on August 8th and then hosting it on the 15th. So that'll be fantastic. Um Pleased with the schedule, Zach, or would you have liked it to have been a bit earlier? Uh, in some ways, it's nice to have it earlier in the year because it gives you something to be really excited about and something you can win right away. Although the year that Vancouver wanted it was like August or whatever because it was a different late August. Yeah, so th- there's our lucky yeah. charm. Yeah. Um, I, to be honest, the, I, I'm a little I'm a little bit frustrated because you if you go and look at July. It's a brutal. It's not a great schedule. No, and it doesn't. It does. If you look at how things, and now 
we have uh, Vancouver has the second leg at home. So if you if you in the semifinal at least. So if you take what's happened in pre- if you look at what's happened in previous years, it should mean they'll play a strong lineup at home. But look at look, if you look at the schedule, it's it's what's sandwiched in between the Voyagers Cup game, a Cascadia Cup game yeah. in Seattle. So it, I, 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 I hate to sound I, I hate to sound like a broken record of being disappointed in the schedule, but I don't think this is the ideal either. Um, but what if they're I'm not, I'm, I wasn't against I'm not against it being moved. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in the month or whatever it's in, but this doesn't seem like the best for, best thing possible for Vancouver. But but what if they're on a roll and the game in Seattle gets them up for the game in Montreal and that gets them up for the next game and everything like that? And they just yeah. they, this could be the time when they were on a roll and then they're able to garner all these wins. Although it's the Steve, summertime. That's a, that's a great that's a great point, Steve. But I, also think but, I mean, you have you have seven games in the month of July. Yeah, and we could be missing Kendall Waston, who's still celebrating his World Cup victory. Yeah, yeah. Um, two uh, the two new teams. I mentioned Oakville, and then there's a Quebec team, AS Blainville. Um, uh, obviously, they're playing a playing game to play Ottawa for. That's going to yeah. be a playing game to play Toronto. So Toronto gets to play in like it, it's, it's good. It's a start. It's a start. Yeah, it's but, nowhere near enough. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to change when the Canadian PL starts in yeah. 2019. All those teams will be in it for yeah. sure. That's got to be. Well, we think. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't be. They yeah. should be. Yeah. And they're pushing for a second, a Champions League place for yeah. Canada and stuff like that as well. The, the, so it's a start. It just feels like you could easily have got the PDL teams involved, especially with the games being in July and yeah. June playing and stuff, because those teams have got their, their players by then and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'd love to see TSS Rovers beating the Whitecaps. Calgary? Why not Calgary be in there? Yeah. They're yeah. PDL yeah, that, that has to be actually the most disappointing thing about the schedule move. They put it in a time where it's actually pretty good for PDL clubs, and they don't allow them in because... They want to whatever shut out yeah. small teams in in, in, in the Amer- smaller American leagues. We, we knew they were never going to be in it, but I mean it's it's just disappointing. But we'll see what happens with the Canadian Championship. One of the big announcements in Canadian soccer this week, and we'll be back to talk about some more of that after this. That was Mark Knopfler there, sing Why I Man, which was his own song, but also used in the closing credits of Alvira Zane Pet. Um, and we've gone all Jordy on you because there's a new Jordy in charge, and it's not Jordy Reina. No. Um, but a new Jordy in charge of Canadian soccer. Out is Octavio Zambrano. In, John Herdman. It's a shocker. <laughs> to, to say the because least. he's out of a job too. Yes, I guess. <laughs> so before we get into all the ins and outs, uh, I I recorded some stuff on the extra podcast with Har. If you haven't heard that, you can subscribe to that. Only three dollars a month or thirty dollars for the year. But uh, wanted to get Zach's thoughts on this at all. Now, lots of folk had said they'd heard about Zambrano's coat was on a, a shugly peg, as we say in Scotland. But basically, his job was on the line. Things weren't happening behind the scenes. He was failing administratively, etc., etc. To me, this was a massive shock. 
what went through your head when you heard on on Monday, Zach, that John Herdman was the new head coach of the men's national team? Well, well, first about the Octavio Zambrano stuff. And so I I had heard some of the, the rumblings a while ago. And to be honest, I from where I was hearing from, I thought maybe it was, you know, from people who wish maybe not they had the job or they were in a role, but definitely, you know, connected to people who, who maybe could be doing the job kind of thing or, or you know, that kind of... Like a jealousy kind of thing. Kind of thing. They, they wanted yeah. the job and undermining him. That would be a strong term, but, you know, just people who are closer to... Envious? Well, yeah, still a strong term, but okay. those who are closer to, you know, what what's going on now, what's gone on in the past, all that kind of stuff. And so I had heard some stuff, but I kind of took it with a grain of salt and just thought, oh, maybe it's just some frustration and disappointment and whatever. Um, and I totally for- I totally kind of just forgot about it. And then when this happened, it was, it, and I started to hear again <laughs> some of those same things, uh, it kind of it made sense. I think one thing which maybe we should, uh, I'd love to maybe spend a, a moment talking about, Michael, of course. As, as much as you think it's worth talking about, is a tweet that you retweeted from someone I, I, I don't know, but I have quite a bit of respect for. Um, and now, of course, I'm forgetting his name. Um, um, oh, man. What's his name? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll, tell us what the tweet is yeah. and it'll probably come back to uh, me because I retweet yeah. a lot. <laughs> uh, no, but, no, but it was about, the, it's, about, it's the one Zimbrano. I think you're talking about the one that Zimbrano said, this is the closest one. No, no, oh, no, okay. not that one. Okay. No, this came from uh, the gentleman who used to work for Fox Sports World Canada and he works for Fox Sports World in the States. and maybe Bobby McMahon? Bobby oh, McMahon. Bobby McMahon, yes. The Bobby McMahon tweet, I think, is something that does need to be maybe just talked about a little bit. Course. He basically said, "Look, all these all these people who are in the media or close to the media or in the Canadian football world are now all saying, oh, yeah, I heard stuff. Yeah, I knew stuff. I knew this was. I knew things weren't well. I knew whatever." But and he basically said, "This is not the time to say that. When you find, if you're a, a journalist, a media person, when you find out, this is that's the time to say it." This now, is, I, I disagree I, with that. Just I, Zach, just give me a second. I disagree with that. Yeah. If the if the journalist was told off the record, if the journalist was told off the record, he is not allowed to report that. At the, or else, you know, that gets journalists in trouble because they won't have that person telling them information in the future. So, it, if but the journalist definitely should have dug more and found out the information from other people, try to get people on the record. I do agree with that. Right, but. Um, um, yeah. You, you both know this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree with but, both of you, so yeah. But, but yeah, the problem, I think one of the problems in something like the Canadian football media, just the football world in general in Canada, is because it's so small and so many people know each other and they all, a lot of them talk to each other or communicate with each other, they, they know a lot of stuff. Um, but then they also they have relationships with the people, right? So that they they will say, Steve, whether it's off the record or because hey, because we're friends, make sure you don't mention this or whatever. So they do all know this stuff, but they but they can't report on it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's and, like we and, get told stuff and we can't report on it. Right. Right. And so it's a it's a little bit awkward. It's, it's I don't know. It's a little bit awkward that you know if like you know for example, Michael, if some of this stuff was in England, I'm sure some journalists would said, I'm going to make a I'm going to try and make a name for myself. Oh, I'm yeah. going to make a break, and I'm going to. I've heard the stuff about the head coach of my national team. I'm going to go out and 
the national team of the country, I'm going to go out and break the story or make some news or shake some trees or be willing to put my name on the line, blah, 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 right? Whereas here, yeah. it's like, no, I, I'm friends with all these people uh, or I'm, I respect them, whatever, so I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And it, and it creates this, you know, code of silence or whatever. And, well, I, I and beg, then, I beg and then, part and of then it. when things happen like this, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I knew about it. I knew that was yeah. going on. Well, I, I mean, that happens all the time. It happened in the U.S. as well. When they eventually got, got rid of Klinsman, it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we knew things weren't right and he should have gone. And, yeah, but, Clint, but And then after they failed to qualify, well, after they failed to qualify for the World Cup, they're all like, oh, yeah, I mean... We, that's when they started speaking out, whereas they needed to speak out before that. But the problem nope. here is that there's so many ex-players and stuff involved in the media that they're they're too close. They don't want to ruffle the feathers at the CSA. It's very incestuous, the, the media over here. And no one is prepared to, to to put their neck on the line because they're all, they're all worried that they'll get their accreditation pulled. And, I mean, basically that's what it comes down to. And then you get Herdman doing a very cosy interview, really, with James Sharman at Sportsnet, and then another pretty cosy interview with TSN, not given a hard time at all. And the thing is, Sharman should have given him a hard time, because Sharman, they're not rights holders. Yeah. He, he has every right to like question what's going on here. I mean, he asked some difficult questions, did not get proper responses, but and did not did follow, follow up or yeah. challenge it. Yeah. And I thought that was very disappointing. Like, I can understand TSN doing it, because TSN's in bed with the Canadian soccer at this point. Although, I think Canadian soccer needs TSN more than TSN needs Canadian soccer. So they could have done the same thing, too. But yeah, you, I, I, I 100% agree with those... those uh, Interviews should have been but, harder. But Michael, to me, though, the difference with Klinsman and Bruce Arena are, the, I think, the most of the main reasons that they were released of their duties were things that everyone could see. Oh, you didn't bring Landon Donovan to the World Cup. That made a whole bunch of people angry. Oh, you're playing a bunch of people out of position, or you're not willing to change your tactics or whatever with Klinsman, or you're not bringing certain people in. That, it was kind of stuff that everyone would say, oh, yeah, I felt the same. We were all processing it together. This stuff about Octavio Zambrano seems not to be due with yes. the players and the squad selection and results and whatever. It's, uh, it seems to be different. You know, Bruce Arena was, was similar to Quinson. Everyone knew Bruce Arena, how he operated. They thought he could get the job done. He didn't, so he's relieved because he didn't get the job done. This is like be, like it behind the scenes. Yeah, how he's. Yeah, how he's that, I don't. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Doing. Yeah, with I, that. Like, but just one thing I want to clarify as well. Like, when I'm talking about ex players and being too close, we actually have two really good ex players here that are not afraid to speak their mind. Mark Rogers and Carlo Corazine, they speak their mind. Yeah, for sure. And there needs to be more of that in the it's that guys out east. I'm kind of pointing fingers at. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting as well where the press conference is held. I've heard there's going to be a press conference this week. Now Herdman lives here. Stephen Reed's here. I've heard it's going to be here, but will we get a harder time here, or will we get a harder time out east? Because there, there were some folk out east that some of them was a bit of an overreaction, like Anthony Torterra. I spoke about this in the extra podcast. He went a bit over the top, borderline <laughs> threatening when he was talking about the Canadian Premier League side of it. But which Herbert's He's a very not passionate co- gentleman. Yeah, but I mean, Herbert's Herbert not even commented on the CPL, and he's like, if you do anything to my CPL, I'm going to be coming for you. Now, that's that's not responsible reporting. Um, and then you had Tim and Sid, who went on their epic rant as well. But the folk that's really close, and the folk that really understand the game, there's been an awful lot of... Like, no one's come out and said it's a great appointment, but no one's come out and had a real go at the CSA for it. 
And are you I, saying citizen of football? Well, no, I mean like ex-players and folk that's involved in that. <laughs> but ultimately, no one, no one at all knows how Herdman is going to do as coach of the senior team until we see what he does in some games. That's what it boils down to. It's yeah, there were. There were... There was one article that was a little bit disappointing on how it how it covered things, and I don't even like for me. It's not even worth mentioning the the author's name because I. I but we're, we're talking lost, Toronto lost. Sun. I'm, I'm not going to. It's not even worth. Okay. I don't think it's worth us mentioning. But like, as, I think as someone who's like lost the plot and like doesn't, yeah, it's a little bit offside on some things. He's probably. American, yes. anyways. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a ridiculous article, but just. We could go and talk about this for forever, and we'll, we will revisit it more. Um, Especially if we, there's a press conference. Yeah, if there's a press conference, we do that either on the show or do about an extra podcast. But so one thing, I will, one thing I will say is, I, 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 I just hope that um, whether it's continuing to do some of the things that he did in his previous position, uh, or it's doing some new things, I really hope that John Herdman is able to get some results with. In his new position, my my only concern is that with the women, he had uh, a lot of training camps. He had um, a lot of t- uh, like tournaments, like the Allgrave tournament and other tournaments. And he's not going to have that with the men. And yeah, but in the men, he's just basically going to have them what three, four days before a game, international game, maybe a couple weeks before yeah. a tournament. He has to deal something. with club managers releasing players for yeah. some bizarre friendlies and stuff out with FIFA dates and. Yeah, I mean, but the, I wish but him luck. The, the, you're right. The things I totally agree. Things are different, and you don't have these smaller tournaments for sure. But who's to say, on the other end of the speculating side of things, who's to say that now uh, this the, this program won't have meet or play on and have camps on more of the FIFA dates now? Yeah. With the focus on 2026 and the focus on 2022 and the focus on a new a new reign, a new head coach, a new technical director, whatever. Like, and so, and, and, and the, in terms of connecting with the head coaches, I think that's, I think that's what most, uh, most people on the outside would say is that's one of his strengths. Right. Yeah. He's good with people. He's good at connecting. He's, he can just go down to the local Starbucks and talk to Robbo about what the yeah. players he, he's interested in. You know, I, like, I'm going to, so. I'm going to camp outside some of the, the Starbucks <laughs> in Surrey if we don't get hold of him just to, to see if I can grab him there. Yeah. And and um, the th- uh, I agree with that. And the thing is, is you, you think of his ability to connect with people, and maybe uh, one thing that he can do with which previous some previous managers have done is m- recruit more of those players that are on the fringe of joining yeah. the national team, and he can get them into camps. And that was actually something I wanted to ask you, Zach. I I, I don't want to move away from this yet because there's still so much more I want to talk about this, but. I, I really value your insight because you've followed the national team for so long. First question, we'll, we'll just do some rapid fire. Do you think it was a good appointment? Was he the right man to take over? I think it's hard to answer that now, uh, especially when you... I, 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 want, I guess I, I personally want, want to know more what the truth is. Yeah. Right? I don't know so if we'll ever get some, it. That's the thing. I don't know if we will, yeah. I think, I, well, I think we will. I think we might both not be able to talk about it, but um, but no, some of the people who are saying, "Oh, he used the a, a job opportunity on another continent to, uh, you know, what's the term like blackmail? Not blackmail, but like use yeah. this leverage. Leverage is a much better word. <laughs> that, that 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 doesn't that doesn't 
that doesn't seem super positive, even though it's totally understandable. And, you know, wanting to, when you're looking at, you know, what job you're going to do next, you've been working at one for a long, long time, and you're looking at it for something different or a new challenge or just, you know, uh, starting fresh or whatever. Um, but so for me, it's hard to say, oh, yeah, it was, it was a good thing. Or for me to say, oh, no, it was a terrible thing. Uh, I, I feel, I think for me, the, the biggest concern is um, how his assistant coach is going to take over for him with a, yeah. with a, with a, pro, a pro, I don't like the word program, but a program that uh, has, you know, in some ways maybe punched above its weight and reached higher heights than many would ever thought. And will will this this uh, this new new person be able to keep them on that trajectory? You know, going into you know 2019's a World Cup year. Uh, you know, so what will that look like for them? But um, I, I I I I think it. I I guess I hope it's going to be a positive thing. I think he was also the the new coach. He's a, the former Dutch national women's coach as well, right? If I'm not mistaken, I he, no or idea. former. I know nothing about him. Okay, that, that's, and I, I, when we spoke I, to I her, she didn't know TV. much about him. I, I know he took his uh, wife's uh, name as part of his name. That's why I, I think it's great though that we can play REM's "What's the Frequency," Kenneth, every yeah. time we speak to him. So there, there's positives <laughs> in it. Because no. I mean, there's not many songs with Kenneth that you can go with. A um, couple of other just quick things. Well, right. First of all, I, I think it's a I think it's a poor appointment. I yeah, just I, I kind of I'm on your side on this one. Like, I, it makes no sense. Only because that I had no issues with Zambrano. No, I, I don't know. That was the thing. That I don't was know the what next thing I was going to ask Zach. I don't know what he like. I don't know what he did behind the scenes, like everybody's talking about. But what he did on the pitch, yeah, was great this year. Yeah, um, he 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 showed not only did Canada do well at the Gold Cup for once uh, in a long time. Um, they actually played attractive game. I enjoyed watching them, yeah, exactly. as opposed to being bored out my head. And so it was, it was fun to watch. So that's why, uh, at this point, I am going to say no. Even though whatever all the success Herdman's had with the women, I'm going to say no. It wasn't a good appointment because I'd rather have the the coach that was already there. Yeah, and okay. Last thing, and then we'll we'll move on. But last thing. A lot has been made about the fact that he has never managed a, a men's team. Now, I did a little bit of digging and background stuff, and he played non-league football in England, level 10, so way down the, the English pyramid, a team called Wickham FC, and his teammates there have described him as being quite mouthy and having a bit of a temper. He also he, taught a Brazilian... You said he's a Geordie already. You don't oh, yeah. Do again. I know. That's that's the tight shirts. I mean, that's that's Newcastle. <laughs> I'm surprised he actually wears a shirt because when I've been in Newcastle and Durham, most of them on a Friday and Saturday night, they're just wandering about with no shirts on, challenging you to a fight. Solid. Maybe stereotyping a little bit, but that's the experience that I had down there. Um, he he ran a Brazilian soccer skills school, which when I read that, I was like, interesting. Uh, I don't know if it was just soccer skills for folk with Brazilians or for Brazilians or, <laughs> or how that worked, but we'll, we'll ask him about that. He also uh, was a, a high-up coach in Sunderland's academy, uh, youth academy. So he's, he's, he has done some stuff, just not at the senior game. And I, I think this is a fair question. And the article which, you're, which you were talking about earlier, there were some salient points in it but a lot of it got lost just because of the general tone, sexism and garbage that was spouted in it. But I think it is valid to ask, can he take 
what he did in the women's game, all his motivational side and stuff like that, is it as easily transferable to the men's game where you're dealing with some some big egos? Big egos. And I know folk are saying, why have they got big egos? They're, they're not playing in the top level. Male footballers at whatever all level. levels have e- egos. The, the I've men, had it at East Fife before. The men are there. Take your bingo card, does the East Fife mention? The men that are playing on the weekend here at the, in the park. Oh, yeah, they set up, they set, No, set oh. up cones. Oh. Set up cones for posts and everything like that. They have egos. Yeah, everyone's got egos. So, so, so men, men, men are are definitely a different uh, coach, just in personality. And yeah. I, I know no one knows for certain, Zach. But do you see that management style? That come on, guys, let's get into your mental psyche and all that stuff. Do you think that is going to transfer easily to the men's game? And especially, you know, a lot of the Canadian players to kind of talk to. Do you think they'll be welcoming to that? Uh, I, I I think if if the players have the approach of hey I, I will you know I want Canada to do well I want to play a role in it if they come in with a positive attitude I think it, I think it should be fine right if yeah. you, you know we talk we talk a lot about professionalism and all that kind of stuff I think if everyone comes into it with a healthy uh, in a healthy way I think I'm not too worried I'm not too worried about that. You know, you, you listen to, you know, Rob will, will sometimes say, you know, football's a pretty simple game, right? Uh, you know, and so I think if if they're able to say, hey, yeah, this is the person in charge, like the last guy, like the guy before him, let's just uh, allow him to play his role and I'll play my role. And if we're all working together for the same goal, you know, anything's yeah. possible. Well, um, yeah. So for, so for me, it, it's... <laughs> No, yeah, you do talk to players, and yeah, some players. I talked to players who enjoyed uh, managers who were were like that. You know, um, yeah. There, you know, I think Martin Rennie in some ways was like that, right? He was. Yes. You, know, you, you think about the whole, you know, Eric Castley and having a traumatic incident when he was younger, so he didn't like to head the ball anymore, and him trying to work with him on that. You know, um, and 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 then you had, and then there's players from that era who you talk to and they say, "Hey, I didn't like that kind of stuff. It wasn't for me." So I, yeah, but that that also often ties into playing time, you know, and being selected. And yeah. All. So, well, yeah, exactly. I, it's like when you speak to Whitecaps players over the years as well. The ones that's got a bit of an axe to grind are usually the guys that's not playing regular first team football and yeah. getting selected every week. Just the last thing I want to say on this is from watching the Sportsnet interview, he needs to be way better with the players and with the media than he came across in that. That felt like you were watching a TED talk. It was full of buzzwords. It was a waste of 19 minutes. 19 minutes, and I know this is a bit rich coming from us who rattle on for two hours, but what he said <laughs> in 19 minutes, he could have said in four minutes. It's yeah. like nothing was said. That Like you watched 19 minutes and there was nothing that you really took from it. I don't know. But it, it so was. A, I, that, 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 that's true, and that's fair. And, and it, you know, it's maybe the first thing, and you know, it's only a couple of days old or yeah. whatever, you know. So he wasn't about a shock. He did admit when when it comes to with the with the players, that's that's totally different than with the media, right? So you can say I didn't like how he did with the media. That doesn't mean he's going to be the exact same no. with the players. He never, but you I know, could I see mean, a player watching that and going, "What the hell have we got here?" I can also, I, can, I genuinely can see a time where he says something to a player that's pissed off and says, "What do you know about men's football?" I genuinely could see that happening. Because I would probably do it if it was me that was in that position. 
But right. it, it was a bizarre week in international football appointments. Apart from Herdman, Gary Neville took over as the England women's head coach. Which is the job that John Herdman was yeah. uh, going now, for. Also, I have been told from some sources over there, Herdman was never offered the English yeah. women's I don't job. think so. Not a Neville no. was going. Um, but Neville's been quite disparaging about the women's game over the years. So that's an interesting appointment. Yeah. And then Ryan, Ryan Giggs looks yeah. like he's taking, you know, he's going to get the Welsh job. Yeah. With no experience at that level either. So we can knock Herdman for not having experience of the men's game. Ryan Giggs, though, he's got experience of the men's game, but not international level. If he's got, Herdman's got that. If he's got decent assistance, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Like you ha- if you have decent assistance, usually you can sneak by. But so we're not lo- losing Robo yet, no. well, unless Giggs completely makes a mess of it. Now, Herdman wasn't the only one appointed no. for Canadian soccer. It was a very busy week for Canadian yeah. soccer. The Canadian Premier League has a new head, uh, head person. Yes. David Klanikin is how I'm going with the name. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Oh, no, he said it out loud yet? I don't know. I've not that I've heard. The first chairman and commissioner, longtime Tim's Horton executive. How did you feel about that, Zach? I'll admit, and Stephen, we had a little chat about this off air. I I was surprised that it wasn't someone with a lot more football, soccer experience, that, that it was more a business executive. Is this guy just in charge to get the business side of it up and running, do you feel? Yeah, no, that, that's what this is about. He 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 is uh, not going to be the. I mean, he plays football and he knows football and stuff, but he's not. Yeah, he's not the maybe football insider in terms of you know, um, you know, uh, playing the game at a high level, coaching, uh, managing, you know, uh, having been an agent, whatever that kind of stuff. But he is the person who's going to uh, help foster and nurture the the financial side of of this league. I think. And uh, so in that sense, I think uh, it's a very positive announcement. Uh, I think from the rumblings I've heard, I think um, there's support uh, and I think uh, satisfaction amongst uh, people who and some of the people or most of the people who are uh, or maybe even all the people who are uh, interested in, um, you know, building these these clubs across the country. And so. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a very positive step. I think for a lot of people who have been cynical or been questioning if and when this will ever happen, again, I think this is another uh, marker that that shows yep. that it's happening. And it's and now and now there's a, a spring clock on spring it. 2019. April, yeah, April 2019. It sounds like so. That's another positive thing. And and the announcement of uh, of more of the clubs in the in the months ahead. That's uh, also or, or any clubs because we don't actually officially have any clubs yet. Well, Winnipeg, Winni- Hamilton, and Winnipeg, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. like officially, no one's actually said this is a club, right? And the thing is, you you bring him in, and he's because he's you know the uh, like all the other commissioners in other sports in, in North America, none of them really have a major background. At the most, one's maybe played uh, their sport in college. So they're always looking for the business side because you need the one thing you need for any league to be successful is sponsors, and you need a guy that can yeah. attract sponsors. He's gonna have great contacts and get yeah exactly. Can you imagine Tim Hortons might be the league sponsor for the league? Um, so it'd be excellent there. And and the thing is, is you have the right people underneath the soccer minds underneath him that can. He's gonna be the head. And you're going to have other people working as the his limbs or whatever and uh, moving pieces around. And that's what you want in any league. The thing is, he, he while he doesn't – people say he doesn't have a soccer mind, he is saying promising things. 
because he's talking about uh, for you guys especially. You guys are big into promotion relegation. Um, uh, yeah, fan I, involvement, I was excited ownership. by that. He's talking about like three three divisions eventually pro rel. Yeah. I mean that ticks the boxes for me. Fan ownership or at least heavy fan community involvement is something yeah. that he'd like to see. Exactly. So, so he's saying the right thing. He's definitely been, if he doesn't have all the knowledge, he's already been schooled in what to say <laughs> yeah. and everything to get people excited. And we are planning to, to have a chat with him very soon. So we, we will feature that on a, on a future show. Um, so exciting stuff. Just before we close out this section, just some other Canada news quickly. Nine Whitecaps women were called up to the under-20 squad for the, the CONCACAF Championships, which kicks off on Wednesday. Qualification tournament for the under-20 World Cup in France later this year. Jordan Haitema, Julia Grosso and Emma Reagan, three of the, those those nine Whitecaps, so wish them all the best. Get to a World Cup would be fantastic. Two Whitecaps guys, Alfonso Davies and Young Thomas Hassel, called into the under-23 Olympic preparation camp in Florida. Davies Isn't already. Also there? Who, sorry? Isn't Caden also there? I don't know, but he's not classed as a white cap anymore. So, all <laughs> oh, right, he's a former white. Yes, cap. he former he has moved on. I'm just looking at current white caps. There's a, right. a few former white caps or white he, caps. Michael turns his back once you leave the. Yeah, club. Yeah, once they go, they're dead to me. But <laughs> um, Davies scored two in the five-two win over Montverde Academy, so that will that will get his confidence back. Um. No, another Canadian, not Canadian, but another white cap away internationally. Tim Parker was yeah. called into the US 17-day camp, so he's going to miss the, the first week of pre-season here in Vancouver. In their 30-man squad, hopefully, last year he was called in, or two years ago he was called in, but didn't feature. So hopefully he gets to play the friendly against Bosnia. We'll, we'll it's a lot of competition to centre-back for for Americans, so it'd yeah. be, it'd be, it'd be yeah, a big accomplishment if he gets a, some playing time against Bosnia. It's a great thing for Timmy after a quality season. I feel yeah. happy for him. Yeah. Um, so, Zach, do you, do you want to hang around for a bit more, or, or do you kind of need to head off just now? I'll, I'll hang around a bit more if you'll, if you'll allow me to. We will. Then we'll be back with some more chat after this. Slade there and come on, feel the noise. I'm, I'm persevering with Slade because I got I, a really good reception during actually, the week I, on Twitter. I do recognise that song. See, folk do know Slade. What I've decided to do for one of the segments back, now I usually leave this in, in your hands, Steve, but for one of the segments every week, I thought it would be kind of nice to play a non-football song by a band that's featured in Wavelength. Okay. So I'll have lots of Goldie-looking chain stuff coming up. That should be fun. I'll try and find the ones where they don't swear, or at least have bits where they don't swear, so we don't have to mark every single episode explicit. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was Slade. So as I said, they got a really good reception. Folk are, are definitely warming to them. But you're listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. Michael McCall, Steve Pander in the studio, Zachary Meisenheimer joining us on the telephone. And now, we've talked about the busy week in Whitecaps land. We've talked about the busy week for Canadian soccer. And MLS, 
It's just been a really busy start to the year. Yeah, usually it doesn't. It doesn't seem, I don't remember it going no, this like this. Cl- clubs are adding players left, right, right and centre. Yeah. It's like the big drama though is Canadian. Yeah, Kyle Lahren. He's going to Turkey, or is he a Turkey and he's not going to Turkey? It's so much drama involved. He. Besiktas tweeted out a photograph saying that they were basically in negotiations, showing him and all his testing, testing and, and very Camilo style in a Besiktas strip with, with two thumbs, thumbs up, up two not thumbs one, up. two thumbs two up this thumbs. time. Yeah. Um, he's closer. Orlando City immediately are like, uh, he's our player, he's not getting transferred, we expect him to come to pre-season camp, don't think that's happening. It looks a big mess. Is Is he going to try and test... MLS's option thing legally if he does how does that go does it go through the US courts does it go through FIFA does it go through the international court of arbitration for sport yeah. so many different ways that this could go I'm kind of excited about it because personally I just feel that the whole system needs to get tested in the courts and then if MLS hopefully lose then th- that whole option system which I frankly find ridiculous, get, gets blown up. Yeah. But what, what's your thoughts on it, Zach? Obviously, it's a Canadian national team player, but you, you must be enjoying it a little bit and rubbing your hands at what mess might play out with this. No, I, I, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on this. Uh, it would be great to see this, this challenged and the, the players to have uh, freedom in the way that they do around the, the world. Uh, when it comes to being yeah out of out of contract, I will say this actually because I have I can't remember who told it to me I can't remember which player or coach or friend of one of theirs told me this but there actually are other parts of the world where they do have options that are uh, unilateral to the club. Oh, interesting. So this is I can't remember what country it was in or whatever, but I have because I remember when I heard it, I was like, "Hang on, say that again." I, I've <laughs> heard, like, I've yeah. heard uh, in England, like I'm, I'm just like looking through like uh, transactions. I've seen where people say, "Oh, the team has declined its option on this player." I so I mean, England might be one of them, hmm. but I, I that, those were lower levels, so I don't I've know. If it's admit, I've never, never heard of it in the leagues that I follow, which is not a lot of leagues. So I mean. Interesting. I mean, I know Australia's kind of got an MLS-style system, so maybe they operate something like that. The The word that came out was under the last CBA, which personally I feel I feel the players were somewhat shafted with that CBA that, that was agreed a couple of years ago oh, now. Yeah. Because a lot of the players that were negotiating it were senior players. From the Whitecap side, you had Stephen Betashure and Jordan Harvey. So they agreed free agency. Both those players have now benefited from free agency. So the senior players were quite happy with that CBA, but it's the younger players and the players new to the league that they did get kind of shafted in this. But part of that CBA appears to have been that all players then had to sign an an option acknowledgement agreement saying that they acknowledged that there was an option and that it was legally binding, etc., etc. The Camilo clause. Yes. (laughs) I'm in, really, really fascinated and interested to see would that hold up in court just that one part alone, or is it not even worth the paper it's printed on? And very different, I guess, in some way. But when I was working in Scotland before I moved over here, I was originally planning to move over here in 2006, but I delayed it by a year. So I'd given notice to my work 
Oh, actually, no, I hadn't yet, but they knew I was going to be leaving. So they offered me a kind of promotion to do a project. But I had to sign this letter saying that at the end of the project, I wasn't allowed to go back to my old job and I would have no job because I told them I was about to leave to emigrate. So I took advice on that and I was told, yes, sign it because that's not, you've got your, your work contract. That's not legally binding at all. They're just throwing something else at you that that's nothing to do with it. So I don't know whether this option acknowledgement agreement would hold up. And the thing is, no one knows what's going to hold up in court. No one knows what court is going to go through. Yeah. That's why I want to see it tested. Now, the thing is, is uh, just to give you guys a little bit of information for CBAs, whenever there's been a CBA and it's been challenged in court, um, the, the, the CBA always holds up. So in, in American courts, um, there was an incident where a certain football player was suspended for six games um, by the commissioner, even though there was very little evidence, he was never charged with a crime. He was never even arrested or anything like that. He was still suspended for six games. The The player took the league to court saying that um, there was no, like basically giving all the evidence that there was very little evidence other than the other person's uh, word. And um, the suspension held up. The court said, you guys signed the CBA um, you guys agreed to this, and this is what's going to hold up. So if they take it through American court, it's not. Yeah, it's it's going to be shot down. Yeah, there's no chance of winning that. I don't know about FIFA. Uh, for the court of arbitration, I looked into that. Both parties have to agree to uh, to that arbitration, and I don't think MLS will go there. No, too risky for them. And uh, I also looked to see what things they've done recently. There's been no North American leagues um, that they've dealt with. <laughs> so I don't think... Uh, now, FIFA is the wild card. If FIFA does something, then maybe you got something there. But other than that, I, it's going to hold up in American court. Well, you, you don't want to piss off FIFA when you're having a vote on hosting the World Cup in your yeah. country in five months' time. I don't know either. how much that has to do with anything, but... But I think Besiktas and Laren will try and push this as much as possible. And... It's hard not to compare it to the Camilo situation. I, I know, but there there's some differences with that. Well, the the thing is, they never got away with it. No. The, the, that option was Cause, legitimate because they well, had to pay. neither party was confident of winning if it went to court. So that was the thing with well, that as well. Well, the Whitecaps, you can say the Whitecaps didn't even want Camilo back at that point because why would you when the player's already done all this to get out? So they took the transfer fee and then they walked away. So, I, I, yeah, I, I've heard circulation this week that... that some people were suggesting that uh, the Mexican club in that situation didn't actually really pay money. It was MLS just giving Whitecaps uh, allocation money. Mm. Uh, so but never, but I, that's I, some I, people speculating. That's not... Yeah. I, it, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. If, if Lauren ends up back in Orlando, even for a stint of preseason, I'm going to be quite stunned because it, it looks like it's gone way beyond but, that. But my thing is, is Orlando knows this player wants to go. Why don't you, in good faith, negotiate with the other club and figure out a thing? Like, I'm assuming, this is my assumption, is that they have said no to Besiktas and that's why they're going through with this. It seems like to me. I I, I do think, and I've heard murmurs that they were shopping Larn around within the league. Within the league, I don't yeah. understand why so they know he that. wants to go. So it's like get rid of him, then he's not their problem. Yeah, that's why I'd mentioned there was some Whitecaps interest. Yeah, but I think I think why not just sell him off? If you, if you you should have sold him off in the summer when you picked up Dom Dwyer, the guy wanted to leave. He was already in some legal issues. So why not <laughs> yeah. sell him off at that point? I well, the, 
it's even more awkward than that because they knew they've known he doesn't want to play in MLS. They know he wants to go to Europe, and the reason why they haven't done anything until this time was because they want to get the most they can from the ridiculous MLS transfer out of the league yeah. policy money whatever. Which supposedly I don't did they change or they were going to change or you get, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, it's changed. I, you I think more. teams get more. Yeah. yeah. So now, so now. So now his agent slash Besiktas has been like, oh, okay, they don't really have a contract. We don't have to pay anything for him. We'll have him for free. So <laughs> it, I, I really do. Yeah. I, I, I do hope it goes to the court for arbitration of sport or whatever. And we, we once and for all know where things stand. I mean, everyone knows about the Bosman rule. Maybe we're going to have the Laren rule. And that's what folk will be talking about in, in years to come. But we talked about so many players being added to teams uh, last week. I talked about my dream of having Kamara and Kamara for the Whitecaps. <laughs> Looks like Ola Kamara might be heading to Colorado Rapids, which seems no, a bizarre. That was, that was actually uh, uh, out now. Oh. It was updated. Uh, Colorado is out apparently, unless they're back in again. But somebody reported that they were out because they... Can't keep track of all this. No, because he apparently wants to go... He wants to go West to go Coast. To team that wins. He wants to go West Coast. Uh, oh, my dream's still alive. So uh, that could be anywhere along, you know, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, two LA teams, San Jose. So, the, so I he don't wants. No, with all the natural disasters, will yeah. California exist by the time the season starts? So it's like we're, we're in with a shout. We could get Ola. Yeah, but I, I, I think there is a chance. But I, I, I think there's. I think the two LA teams might be a better shout. Yeah, out. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that. I mean, but we'll talk about LAFC in a little bit. But Atlanta. Record-breaking transfer, and for an 18-year-old as well, the Argentine Ezequiel Barco, Barso from Independiente, $15 million transfer fee, which is actually less than I thought it was going to be with some of the figures that were getting floated around. Selling on fees as well of 30% in the future, reducing to 10 after 2020. Magnificent pickup for Atlanta. Game-changing, I think, for the league as well, Zach. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a huge thing. Is it has it been finalized yet, or is it? I don't think so. I think it's as it's as close is, to being finalized as Juarez is to to come into the Whitecaps. Is so anything fi- much. is anything finalized in MLS ever? MLS basically reported until, that until, it was pretty much done until the player shows up on the field on the training pitch. It's not finalized <laughs> for me. Um. But I think I think they're going to sell somebody off because they can't. Oh, they have they, to. They, they're not, they're, the 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 uh, one of the two players, either Martinez or the uh, what's his name, Al- Almeron. Um, I think one yeah. of those two guys are going to be sold off at this point. Yeah, we'd think so because there is interest in in Europe for those two. And some interesting news of players going from MLS or going from America to Mexico. Giles Barnes has joined Liga MX side Club Leon. He wanted to play in the heat, so he's now got the heat. But he's got a, an interesting new teammate, Landon. Landon Donovan, coming out of retirement to join Club Leon as well. Yeah, MLS's all-time leader in goals at 145. Now, he's still only 35. I, I've always felt he did retire a bit early and he had a lot more to give. Like him or loathe him. He's a talent. Yeah, he's a talent, but it seems like he gets like really tired really fast. Yeah, and he just needs a break, and then he gets comes back, and then he needs a break again. Uh, yeah, he he. I, I'm gonna have to choose my words carefully here. I, I why I he's really not listening to this? He might no, be. but like oh, I don't. I I really. I know he's done a lot for American football. Don't get me wrong, right? 
uh, the leagues named their MVP award after him for <laughs> whatever reason. Which is now uh, ironic that they've named it after a, a current Mexican player. So, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but he, to me, has really under underachieved in his ultimate, like overall in his club career. Like he, he underachieved because he was at like Leverkusen a couple of times and kind of, kind of gave up on, on making the real full breakthrough in Europe. Um, and that would, to me was disappointing. It was like, he, he was, he was a player who could have played in a, in a, in a, in a, on a full-time, not on a loan deal on a full-time basis in, in one of the bigger leagues in Europe and kind of settled for MLS. And I know he, I know he did a bunch of great things and I'm probably just bitter because you know, who he is and you know, you know what he's done against, countries and teams that I appreciate and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he, and then, and then retiring early, fine. No problem. If you want to do that, that's, that's no, I can respect that. But then coming back and then retiring again and now coming back a, a second time, it's just, I, I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. You don't want to get rubbed the wrong no. way. He, he has had more retirements than anything really, but it's going to be interesting to see how he does, and if he still does it. I mean, I do agree he has underperformed. Maybe he came a back for the ways. World Cup. Oh, that would be <laughs> that would be hilarious. The, the next one, he can still do it at thirty nine. Oh no, maybe sure. there's a. Oh yeah, that's right. Americans are. I forgot about that. But yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a surprising <laughs> one. But let, let's just finish this section um, by by talking about the the new kids on the block, LAFC. Another busy week for them. They got a white backs fullback. Yeah, two now. <laughs> they've got two white ex-Whitecaps fullbacks. Uh, Jordan Harvey officially announced. Stephen Batesure looks that he's there as a free agent as well. So LAFC loved the Whitecaps' league-leading defence of 2015 so much <laughs> that he, they've added both their, their right-backs. Bradley could have been coaching that if or he took the job. Oh yeah, Bradley could have. He could have taken the, He could have. Now yeah. he's got him in LA. Bradley was never taking the job. <laughs> I, I'm oh. just, obviously it's a joke. We know. You should. You, see, you have to be here to see my face when I was saying it. Yeah, he, he did a smiley emoji and everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, great for LAFC, but quite an old fullbacks that they've kind of got, but talent anyway. Yeah. Um, Mark DeSantos, who was a guy that I would have loved to have seen as Canadian men's national team head coach, said he's done everything he can at Division Two level. Folk expected him to possibly take an MLS head coaching job, but I think this is a good move for him. For sure. Because he gets to, to learn the ropes under Bradley, Bradley, and- who I, I still feel is very overrated, and I, I feel his best years are way in the past. Yeah. But he's in a good position to possibly take over from Bradley or get another job. One of three it's, assistants named by LAFC. It's a spotlight job too, as an assistant. Like yeah. you're 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 in a in the spotlight because you're with uh, Bradley and in, in a big in the new environment yeah. too. So it's gonna be big there. But we'll get him here when Robbo moves on. Yeah. Michael, I haven't seen who are the other two assistant coaches. I can't remember. Um, there's three assistant coaches, a managing director, and a goalkeeping coach. One of them is Spanish. Yeah, and one of them was a name I recognised, and I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what but, it is. I know we could quickly look it up, but technology. So the, thing and- about, the thing about Mark DeSantos is that this is is a little bit awkward. Is when he announced a while ago that I think it was maybe before the Deltas were confirmed to be dead or whatever. Um, he 
uh, he, he, whenever he announced it, that, you know, he was moving on or whatever, he's talking about what was next, he said, I've made a decision, and uh, if he was in San Francisco, he said, I, I am going to be closer to home. Yes, I remember that. That was what right? we were talking about. So, Vancouver's still closer. Yeah, so po- Portland was co- was closer. Yep. So I don't know if they were looking at him there. The Canadian men's national team job, which was under discussion, I think. I genuinely behind. think he would have been ideal for that. But of course, he yeah. may have he may have been offered it and turned them down. This is one of the things we don't know. So, oh, Steve got Steve uh, got the info. Okay, so update: uh, Zach Abdel is the coach, uh, goaltending coach. Oh, sorry, goalkeeping coach. He w- was the Canadian men's goalkeeping coach under Zambrano, so he got a job really quick. Uh, Mike Sorbo is the director of soccer operations, and the other two assistants are Ante Razov and Kenny Arena. Oh, right. Kenny Arena, oh, wow. that was the name. Yeah, Ante Razov. Wow. Hmm. Uh, speaking of former MLS. Uh, players. Yeah, that just came into my head as well, yeah. Precky. <laughs> yeah. Precky, right? Yep, going to in, Seattle. Into in Seattle, that's weird. Because he was one of the guys that was even in the frame before Robo got the job here as well. Or he was in the papers as being in the frame, whether he really was or not. Who knows? But I think he was interviewed. But they did interview tons of folk well, like Robin Fraser and everyone. Well, that's because my understanding is MLS. Yeah, made them interview a certain number of people or something. Yeah, but I mean, because they, they, they didn't they didn't like how they hired just hired Barton Rennie, uh, you know, without interviewing other people. Yeah, well. but it's just ridiculous. It's like if you, there's yeah. a guy you want, you you get that guy, and you're not telling me with some of the quick appointments has been with other clubs in the league that they've not done what we were trying to do. But just quickly finishing on LAFC. I mean, we've praised Atlanta a lot on this show. They came in, pretty much set a new bar for expansion teams. They they seem to do so much right in year one. They are the bar. <laughs> yes. Nice re- wrestling reference there. Um, LAFC look like they've taken that mantle on, and they're going to come in, and they're going to they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So you're telling me they're going to be pr- uh, tweeted about a lot by the Whitecaps? Oh, probably. Twitter account. It's going well. At least they only visit once. So. Oh, that's true. Oh, man, so does Atlanta. <laughs> Yeah, disappointingly, they're in our in our conference, whereas Atlanta, you could admire them from afar and wish them well because they weren't one of our rivals. But LAFC, they look like they're doing a lot of things right, and it's quite it's quite exciting to to see what they can do. But a bit scary as a Whitecaps fan, would you would you not agree, Zach? Uh yeah, I think. Well, in terms of there being another. A big player in in your conference, yeah. It's, you you yeah, you don't want more barriers to yeah. winning trophies. And, one one and less and, one less playoff spot to possibly fill. Right. So yeah, it'll it, it'll be interesting to see what how this all plays out in their stadium and their ownership and their the way they're investing in the squad. It, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Well, that is it for this section on on MLS chat. Um, We've got a couple more sections to go. We're going to talk about the MLS Super Draft in Part 4 and then some other stuff in Part 5. But we're going to bid Zach farewell at this point. So just before you go, Zach, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter. It's at ZacharyM and I'm part of the Movement Curve Collective. I I know you're going to be disappointed that you're missing Wavelength. That's coming up in Part (laughs) 4. But wish you a good week. Hope everything has a a great week for you. And we'll, we'll talk to you next Sunday. And... 
final positive thing to leave you with, your Christmas present has finally arrived. So oh, next yeah. time I see you, you'll get that. And I, I got the same thing, and I love it, and I think you'll love it too. So thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Zach. Bye. And we'll be back with more after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. So a lot has been fitted in so far. Jam-packed show. Hope you've been enjoying it so far. Really enjoyed the chat. It's, it's nice to get back in the swing of things and such a busy week to talk yeah. about, I've got to say. We thought we were busy last week, yeah. but this week was it's, it's got. I, I was feeling a little bit jaded for, for this season. I just I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't excited. But I'm, I'm kind of feeling it a bit more now, and this busy week's kind of really helped. Yeah. And the draft coming up on Friday, and we're going to talk about that shortly, That that's kind of got me a little bit excited as well. But before we get to that, let's just break things up a little bit. It's time for our wavelength section of the show. Now, in part two, we talked about John Herdman getting the Canada job, Ryan Giggs getting the Welsh job. So I, I thought that would go back to Wales for, for wavelength. In fact, the next three weeks, I'm going to go Welsh on us. Uh, honour, homage of Robbo and all that kind of stuff. Got a few Welsh bands lined up for some wavelength stuff. But I think we'll go with Manic Street Preachers this week. And a song they did, which was the official Welsh World Cup anthem for Euro 2016. And it's, it's a fantastic song. So let's just hear that now. Manic Street Preachers with Together Stronger, Come On Wales. Chris Coleman's men have freed Welsh football from the shackles of their history. Half a century of war, of heartache, of lust. So good to be alive. Uh, let's not forget Gary's beast. He wore his heart upon his sleeve. And if he is looking down, then our love is all around. One could almost say that was a Scottish hand. Certainly Jordan's hand went up as well. Let's have a look. I think it was Jordan. Now this latest setback, which leaves everyone wondering when, if ever, Wales will eventually make it to the final of the international competition. So come around, see, let's set the world alight. When But now the past is all gone The future is ours to be won You're just too good to be true We can't take our eyes off you History beckons A 
the Russians kick off. It's Wales nil, Russia one. The final whistle blows. The dream is dead. So come on Manic Street Preachers there with Together Stronger, Come On Wales. I I really like that. I think that's a, a fantastic way. Very inspirational. So, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed that. So let's get back to some MLS talk. And yeah, MLS Super Draft is coming up in Philadelphia on Friday. And Seems to always be in Philadelphia, is that the right? Well, it was in LA last year. <laughs> was it? Okay. I was thought about going down for it hard, did go down for it. <laughs> LAFC have the, the number one pick. But they're shopping it. Yeah, well, as usual, they, they've said they've not said they are or they aren't. They have said they've received multiple offers oh, okay. from the top spot. And Kevin Kincaid actually said that Philly are interested in in trading for that top spot. I mean, to get the top spot and you're hosting the draft, that would create a bit of a buzz. Yeah. But LAFC said, you "Never say never in this game. It's like you don't know what's going to happen." That there's a number of players. Like I haven't paid a lot of attention to the college game this year. Um, I have in previous years, but yeah. did a little bit of research for this show. And there seems to be three guys in all the mock drafts. There's three guys that are up there as possibly being in the top three or maybe even the number one pick. You've yeah. got Akron defender, Jao Moutinho. Yeah. Uh, Stanford centre-back, Thomas Hilliard Arce. Um, Michigan winger, Francis Atuheni. They've all been moved as first picks, and you, you'd had another one. I think, there was as a well. cu- there was a couple other ones. They're not like, like like some people have them high up, but some people have them like lower. So they're not consensus. The three right, that's the thing. No the, one. The three you mentioned are, are all in the like in the top four range. Yeah, and so they're they're considered to be you know going to be in that area. Some people like people can be dropped. Like we've seen players that were ranked in the top three and then get dropped to you know eight or nine yeah. or something, or some people get out of the top ten. I can't 10, remember so. the player of what year it was. There was this one guy that was expected to go top five, yeah. and then he didn't. Then it was top ten, and then he didn't, and yeah. he's dropping further and further down. And he just looked so, so miserable. It kept yeah. panning to him. Like, this was, yeah. yeah. But like one of the guys mentioned there, Francis Atuheni. I have no idea how you pronounce his name. Let's just call him Francis from now on. He's Ghanaian. He's Michigan. He's from yeah, Michigan as from well. from Michigan, yeah, and... I like of the of those three. I really like him. Robbo hinted 
he might be willing to trade up for his pick because yeah, the, the caps are seventeenth. Yeah, that's I don't too know, high. Sure, not sure what you're going to get at seventeenth. You have to package a lot of things. Send them Brixie. <laughs> Send them Brixie. Get an international spot in this pick. I'd, I'd be happy. Yeah. But twenty four goals in three seasons with Michigan, and he looks good and fast, and he's the kind of he's the Kikutamani of this draft, possibly. Um, and we all know how that worked out. I think he's a little bigger too. He's yeah. got a little size as well. International. Yeah. But I, I think if if you're in the top, if you're picking a player in the top five, you're okay to pick an international. After that, you, it's kind of you really have to like the guy because you're wait, yeah. you're spending it unless you're going to be uh, putting him in USL for the first year too because that's always an option. Well, I mean that's the thing, and it's like the, the choice is facing Robo. Do you trade up to get a, a top guy, a top rated guy, a general Adidas guy? Do you trade up a little bit to, to get a guy that's kind of mid- middle of the, the first round, but you're worried someone else might take him? Do you go for a project? Yeah. You've all, they've got a second round pick now. I mean, we, we didn't actually mention it in the first part with Whitecaps News. David Usted officially yeah. gone to DC. And the, for the rights. For, yes, right. For yeah. a, a second round draft pick. So the Caps now have their second round pick back. Picking 17 in round one. And... My guess is they're going to go right back or centre back. That's where they've had their success in recent years. Robo talked about that on Wednesday. The, they've had a lot of success. Nerwinski, Parker. Cole Siler didn't break through the way I think that they hoped that, that he would, and he's moved on to pastures new now. But they had success with Nerwinski. And I've, I've looked at it. For me, the guy that interests me the most is Tristan Blackman. Free scoring forward in his early years at high school and even his first year with Pacific Tigers before transitioning to a defender. Was rookie of the year as a forward in his first year. But he's now a defender, versatile defender, can play right back. That's mostly what he's played with Pacific Tigers, but can also play centre back and he's very comfortable in a three in the back system he would well I don't know how comfortable he hasn't played it as much but he, I think he's got the well I said he would be attributes. ideal for it right yeah he's yeah. got the attributes yeah. to be able to play in a, in a three in the back situation because he's got this I think he's got he's got he's got decent size and speed and athletic ability it's just a matter of learning the position more what was on the the Herman Trophy watch list yeah um, looking at some of the the mock drafts uh Eves had him going eleventh. Yeah. Um Bleacher Report and Top Drawer Soccer had him going ninth, which would be to New England. Yeah. Um MLS, Matt Doyle's one had him going seventh to Montreal. And there was one that had him going twentieth. I, I can't remember the name of that one was, uh, but it, I think it was uh, college soccer news. Mm. I think they had him at twentieth. So, I mean, mock draft, it's a, it's, it's a pick and a poke. It's, because you don't know what everybody's thinking and exactly. what they need and what they want. Because even if somebody needs something right now, the, you th- you think they need something. Say somebody, you think somebody needs a backup goalkeeper. They might already looking at a backup goalkeeper. They just haven't acquired him yet. And they're, they're just waiting to for you know MLS paperwork to get through before they sign him. So you can't always assume, oh, this is what they need. People need to draft usually... I personally think, especially in an MLS draft, you need to draft the best player. Well, yeah, as that, long that's as the best, other conundrum. Best yeah. domestic player, actually, I should say, because uh, especially yeah, because you you've got a thing about not going with, with for the because, internationals because you can get internationals from outside, like a freeze yeah. and stuff like that. Tried and tested ones, and and the thing, the hardest thing to because of the numbers, you you already you, you are you do have some Canadians on Vancouver now. You're able to do it, but in the past you didn't even have that. 
you had to build up your domestic players and Americans count as domestic for Canada. So you you need to pick up those domestic players in order to fill out their roster. Yeah. Now it, it's it's a tricky one. I, I do I I just have this feeling that the caps are gonna trade up. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's gonna be a lot of they have to I think Well if if they do like Blackman seems to me to be the only real guy that they might want to trade up for though. Yeah. If if they move up about ten spots, which is yeah. what they probably need to do, ten seven to ten spots, yeah. they, they they probably have to, have to they have to shell out probably a hundred thousand. And, and well, is that worth it? The thing with Blackman that might actually fall in their favour is he apparently had a terrible first day at the Combine. Yeah. Which, I any any club that puts their faith in what happens at the Combine, they deserve to get ripped off in the draft. It's like nonsense. It's like you've got four years of college to, to go by. Yeah. Someone can have an off day. The best players in the world can have an off day. Look at, like, Messi misses a penalty. Does that make him terrible? No. And... In that first combine, Blackman was actually up against this Francis Atuheni guy. Yeah, the one gave, you like. Yeah, ripped him <laughs> to pieces and gave him a torrid time. Maybe everyone would have that thing. But, Maybe this guy just played out of his skin that day. No, the thing is also you got to look at the, the, that we don't know what levels everybody's at. Like, exactly. So it's Nerves hard to tell. Into it as well. Exactly. And and the thing is, is yeah, and the, but the thing is, the problem is, is a lot of these, there's so many players in college soccer that it's hard to scout everybody. And so you're really relying on coaches telling you your your sources telling you who's good and who's not. I mean, um, Caps have lost Alan Koch as yeah. well. He did a lot of that in in the previous years. So uh, uh, I know you like Tristan Blackman. There's a couple other players uh, to mention as well. One is uh, from the Washington Huskies, Justin Fiddles. Um, he's a left back though, uh, but because you lost, well, you lost. You sold Sam Adekube uh, officially over to the Norway Norwegian team this week. Um, that maybe you need to fill that spot in because Brett Levi's. I know he's coming back from injury. He's still not well. He's probably hundred percent, but he's still not hundred percent game shape because he hasn't played in a long time. Uh, and and he is untested in, in MLS. Test, yeah. Really. So Justin Fiddles is another guy if you want to fill in the left back, which could be a project that even maybe goes to Fresno. Yeah, and another guy who is a project who is if you miss out on Tristan Blackman, uh, Blackman um, is Brandon By. Uh, from Western Michigan, uh, he's basically uh, he's similar to uh, what Blackman was was the um, you know the forward converter to right back. He that actually seems to happen so he, much. Yeah, he actually is a, a winger, but the people who have seen him play feel like he would be better suited as an overlapping fullback, which is what and uh, something that Robbo loves. He is an was named to the All American team. He also was a semifinalist for the Herman Trophy and was an uh, uh, All-American scholar, a scholar athlete for soccer as well. So that's, uh, you know, he's, he's book smart. I don't know how much that goes to uh, a, I, a football I, IQ, but no, it's got to be something the, there. The Caps like these kind of guys. It's coachable. Yeah, because, I mean, Francis de Vries they drafted last year and very intelligent guy. Yeah. Um, one of the most intelligent guys, actually, that I've ever spoken to football-wise. It's like, he, crazy. And they like these character guys. And it, folks that are able to play football and are good scholarly, scholarly yeah. that's the kind of things that coaches like because it just shows their commitment. Yeah, and he's also, uh, not only that, he's uh, he, in, in the combine testing, which uh, I know, again, how much do you put into that? He was one of the better testers. 
Well, it's t- uh, testing's still important. He's got to t- me, that makes more sense than how they play in one game. Yeah, he's got a bunch of folk that's never met in there. He was life. one of the fastest guys. He was one of the guys, more agile guys. And uh, actually one of the stronger guys, too. So he, he was basically in the top five for, or top ten, at least, for all three of those categories, which is rare for a fullback to be. So it's, it's interesting there. A couple of wingers they could go. Uh, Brian White from Duke. Um, if they want to go winger exclusively, Alan Wynn. And Mohamed Thiao from Louisville is another guy. A couple of second round options if they want to go here. Um, there's a number 10 that the, a lot of the uh, experts, again, we're not experts. We're just reading what other people are talking about. Rafael Andrade Santos. Uh, for VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University. He's a central midfielder. They, they, they claim, a lot of people are talking about him being the best number 10 in the draft. But he is Brazilian, so he will be an international. If, he, if he's the best number 10, would he go in the second round? Only because he's Brazilian, because he's international. Mm. That's why he's not a highly higher rated. And still, again, number 10 in, in college is not going to be as good as the number 10 you could find somewhere else. True. So he'd be a developmental player. Uh, a couple of forwards, target forwards, Ricky Lopez Espin and Mar- Marcelo Cuna, who's a Costa Rican but has a green card. Um, those a couple options. Both of those guys are, I think, I believe six two plus, like the six two or six three. So they're true like target forwards. So the, uh, they got that second rounder, which is I think the third pick in the second round. So they can get somebody who fell out of the first round true. and pick up a, a kind of a steal. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to seeing how how this plays out. And do they pick the brother of a sounder player? Oh, yeah, Alex Roldan. Yes. So that's another option, I guess. Yeah, if we want that number six. So we'll see how that goes. Looking forward to to Friday. As always, we'll have interviews with the the draft picks, the the top two. Usually, they they scrum the first one, and then the the second round picks usually just available to whoever. I always like to to speak to them. Yeah. Just. Because some of the later picks are the ones that have yeah. more interesting stories. In well, that, that is the thing usually. Yeah. And it's, it's always good to get new blood to ask about chocolate digestives and fish and chips and, and stuff like that. Which brings us nicely to round off this part with one of our regular food segments. We're going to talk takeout food this week with Robert Earnshaw. So we have five minutes? No, it's minutes. not that long. <laughs> okay. So Robert Earnshaw, take me out. Take me out! You're at home at night, you can't be bothered cooking, you're going to get some takeout food. What is your takeout food of choice? Whew. It used to be it used to be Chinese, Chinese food. Um, but now I, I would say takeout is probably turned into pizza. Oh. Yeah, yeah, turned into pizza and um, there's some I actually found in Vancouver there's some really really nice places yeah. uh, for pizza. Uh, that's probably why. Um, so Any yeah. particular, like, what would be your go-to pizza then to order? Um, lately, I've been having this. Uh, there's a nice little place I found, and and they do a. Um, it's uh, it's like uh, sausage with uh, some a little bit of onions and some garlic. Uh, you can add uh, you can add some um, you know other meats in there, like a bit of pepperoni. Um, and then I've been adding uh, to finish it off. This is the secret, you know, um, between me and you. <laughs> John Harvey gave us all his ice cream secrets. So that's yeah. Good. Uh, what you finish off is uh, some truffle on the top. Oh. Yeah. So that pizza there, and then you finish with some truffle on the top, and that's the secret. That's the secret. Once you put the truffle on, it's like magic, you know. 
that's thank you so much for your time today, Ernie. Hey, it's Stefan Runovich, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. It's time for a Flash Five. Flash Five. Rank it, baby. Five to one. AFTN. Uh, yeah, so it's Flash Five. Uh, we are at the end of a series of Flash Fives where we counted down the top five Whitecaps goals for each year. And now we're going to put it all together and we give you our top five all-time MLS goals by the Whitecaps. Ready to go, Michael? Yep. Uh, and spoiler, mine's just Anthony Bladell's winner to win the 2018 MLS Cup. Oh, okay. So you're going in the future. Yeah. You're, 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 I think you've been binging on Doctor Who too much. You're jumping around time. I went in the TARDIS, had a look to see what was happening with my jelly babies. <laughs> and yeah, that's just what's going to happen. So big spoilers for everyone there. So a couple of, I'm going to give a couple of, I wasn't going to do honourable mention, but i got to give these guys a couple of shouts. Um, so first of all, uh, Alain Rochat's goal against Philadelphia in 2011, where uh, Kumiento uh, uh, worked it down. And I, I'm giving it because Kumiento might be a future Whitecap as well. Ah. Um, uh just currying fever. Yeah, so he came down the uh, sideline, right sideline, cut inside, gave it to Hasley, who gave it right back to Kumiento, took it, uh, passed it over to the left side where Rashad was there, and he gave a wicked shot right inside the post, a uh, uh, great goal. And then Kumiento's goal against the Red Bulls um, in 2011. Um, again, this was Camilo heading to the uh, end line. He's been mentioned a lot tonight. Yeah, so Camilo went to the end line, uh, put it back, Inside, and kind of a, a like a, just a, a kick up uh, by Kumiento turns around and just fires the top corner. Great goal! But we'll start with number five, 2014. Um, Eric Hurtado. Yes, you wouldn't expect Eric Hurtado to maybe be in the top five all time, but he is in there. Great goal against well, Seattle. We said last week he doesn't score often, but when he does, they yeah. are stunning goals. It was a fantastic goal. He was set up, uh, sent down the right side. He, he kind of actually started it because he intercepted a pass and broke up a, a play by Seattle. But then eventually he got the ball back down the sideline, took out, basically uh, put down a, 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 a Alonzo. He just... Just t- took him out of the game, took him out of the play. But Alonso came back again. Then, then he ran into his own defender. Hurtado cut back towards the end line, and then he just fired it, just a screamer yeah. over Fry's head, who would be still in concussion protocol if he had been hit by that. <laughs> uh, Fry doesn't have a good time in, no. in Vancouver, or he didn't. It's getting better for him. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, the Kofi goal too when yeah. he gave away Kofi that was a bad one too. Number four, twenty sixteen. Blas Perez against Chicago. I love this one. It's the game that Kudo got knocked out. Speaking of people getting knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tying together. Yeah. So Blas Perez, I think it was the 87th, 88th minute. Um, just basically the ball, the ball got to him up in the air. He just 
turned it over, very came very close to hitting the Chicago defender in the face, which might have negated the goal. Got in the net. He had no idea that it was in oh, the net when he got up. The, and then the when look he, on his face. Yeah, he just ran at that point. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Great goal. Sent the crowd in just utter chaos. Number three, to 2012, Eric Hasley, TFC. It was Voyager's Cup game. Um, uh, TFC was up 1-0, so they had the away goal. Uh Vancouver at way goal, plus the lead. Obviously, that's a double hit on that one. But they were able to get the ball. Hasley um, on the right side of the box, able to get it over to him. One-timed it, curved it up into the top corner. You Just a brilliant goal. Again, sent everybody in a, in a frenzy. And sent him to TFC. They yeah. liked what they saw of him, and he ended up there. Yeah, it was a great deal for them and us. He was another guy that made a habit of, of scoring spectacular goals, of course. For sure. Uh, one of the or the greatest goal scorers we talked about him earlier. Camilo uh, is number two, 2013 against Portland. The scorpion kick. Oh yeah. Uh, again, I think this was another uh, a game tire. I think they were down two one. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that. But I think Will Johnson had put them up two one, <sighs> and then Camilo tied it up two two. I think uh, YP Lee had a, a hand in that goal. But then we go to number one. Um, people probably already had it pegged down. 2011, first year. I. I- 2011? Was it? Well, it was 2011. No, Montero scored last year. With oh that no, one. no, I'm, ta- I'm talking. That, about that's not goal. the number one. No, no. Oh. 2011, uh, Seattle. Uh, uh, Eric Hasley. No, you're second, gonna, second. You need to remind me of this. I don't remember this. <laughs> it was up for an SP. No idea no? what that is. Okay, so Eric Hasley. Um, uh, I think again here, Seattle had gone up two one. Um, yes, and they then, had. And then Eric Hasley uh, scored a wonder goal. One that basically uh, kind of broke the internet yeah. for a while so there. so nonchalant about it as well. Yeah. Just like, yeah, exactly. Well, you you want that from yeah. somebody? He he expected that he was going to score. Well, whether he did or not, I'm not sure. But he definitely showed it afterwards that he expected. Uh, so Eric Cassidy gets our number one goal all time MLS. Is going to take a lot to disrupt that. If we do this in another five years' time, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But uh, the Camilo one's very close. But, yeah, but, I, I personally would have had Perez as third. Okay, I just because I love a bicycle uh, kick. But I, a bicycle kick is great, but that that goal against like I think you didn't even have it as your top goal. If I'm I, not no, I didn't. And then when we were discussing it, I but but that yeah, that that's, I had Matix that year. That was the wrong that, choice. That strike was just outstanding. Yeah, one time strike. Didn't even wait for it at all. Yeah. So that's our top five. Definitely some fun, fantastic goals there, and. Hopefully we see some goals like that. Yeah, later. let's just, let's just hope we can add and get a couple of goals that could break into that that top five this year. That that, that would be fantastic. So I hope you've enjoyed that. We're going to have some more Flash 5 segments over the For year. sure. And if anybody has any ideas they want uh, us to do a yep. Flash 5, uh, send it to AFTN, dot, uh, oh, AFTN at Hotmail. AFTN Canada at Hotmail.com or Twitter at AFTN Canada. Or you can send it to the Whitecaps Beat at gmail.com as well. And... Yeah, a lot of more of those to come. And we're going to do some written ones as well later in the year that, that I've got in mind. But now, it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. Your one-stop site for news, links, information about the world's game, locally, nationally and internationally. Make it part of your daily read bcsoccerweb.com
What's been catching your eye on the site this week, Steve? Um, quite a few things. Um, as usual, like we talked about earlier, it was a busy, busy week. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the list that you sent me, I was working on it before I headed out. Some had seen, some I hadn't, but, but wow, some stories this week. No, but that, that's why I put it on the top, because I didn't want to scare anybody. I, I put up there, not all to be used. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure out what we have time for and what we don't have time for. So a um, couple of the quick hits uh, we'll, we'll get out of the way. Uh, a funny one at Chelsea Stadium, uh, a $1 billion Stamford Bridge, um, a family is disputing it. Uh, in courts, they're trying to get it stopped because it's going to block their light. Um, and and Chelsea, Chelsea is offering a package yeah. to to uh, give up the right to light, but that's what, <laughs> that's how they phrased it. But uh, it, it, it's it, we'll see how it is and how it works. I I sympathize with the family to an extent, but you've bought a house beside a football stadium. Well, no, this is a new site, I think. Because oh, they're building a new okay. stadium, so the, 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 that's why that's oh, why they're right. trying, so trying to stop it. they've been there before the stadium. Yeah. Okay. So they're trying to get. It's up to council now in order to see if they're going to do that hmm. or not. Um, French league suspends gold line technology after failures cross the reliability line. Um, there have been they've had a couple of incidents where it hasn't gone according to plan, so they're going to review it and see if it's, it works better later. <laughs> Nothing to do with that, but just quickly about French football. I don't know if you saw something that was doing the rounds tonight on Twitter. No, in, I, in a I missed it. French League One match, where a, this team's attacking and a player bumps the referee. Yeah, and the referee falls down. Oh, I down did see that. I did. Kicks out. A, well, no, kicks out the I saw that. It seemed like the referee actually bumped into the player. If uh, if you look at it from an angle, oh. it looked like the referee was going in with his shoulder. It was bizarre, knocking him off, and then and then the uh, player kind of ran over yeah. him, and then and then he kicked out him at again. Because if a player kicked out, he's straight off. Yeah, exactly. But that. That, that is odd, bizarre. and that has to be definitely looked but into. I would love to see that in MLS when teams like TFC crowd <laughs> the ref, and he just like lashes out at them. That'd be fantastic. So a couple of uh, kind of FIFA stories. Um, first of all, Aust- Austrian prosecutors are look like they're going to be investigating the FIFA vote buying allegations. Uh, so more, much more FIFA that. and prosecutors that we've covered in this in the last few weeks. Uh, the 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 dates for. Um, to sentence the people that were uh, on trial for FIFA gate and uh, guilty. Um, they haven't had those dates set, uh, but uh, one of them, Webb, uh, he will have his uh, pushback to March. So that's the thing there. Mm. Um, the $40 million heist, how Tevez took China <laughs> for the most expensive ride in football history. This is hilarious. It's a short article. It's very good, though. Um, it basically uh, shows how Carlos Tevez went for a year, I think he scored very few goals um, and just basically left back to Boca. Um, Obafemi Martins if was he, the if one he that can actually. Get the money. Take yeah, it. and, and he, he claimed that he wasn't going just for one year to collect yeah. the money, and then he ended up doing that anyways. Maradona uh, <laughs> chimed in and, and mentioned that uh, Tevez uh, uh, just stole money from them. And it, I think he said something like he went in like Santa. And stuffed his bags and came back to Argentina. I don't think that's how Santa no, works. That's not how no, that's not. It's like the reverse Santa. Maradona could have been on something when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> See, if Chinese clubs want to pay players this ridiculous amount of money, they deserve all they get. So I've no sympathy at all for the club. Good on him for for doing that. Um, Saudi football teams op- to open doors to women f- fans for the first time, which is very yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, people have been tweeting that out and everything like that. I think Anna uh, tweeted out that uh, Iran is the only country now 
that that doesn't allow women in their stadiums. There's or is there other ones too? Iran's one of them. A really good film. If you haven't seen, it, I should like give it give you a loan of it. It's called Offside. I think it's. 2006 okay and it's about two girls that try to sneak in to watch I've, a game I've, I've in Iran seen, I've seen bits of that it's, yeah. it's really good but it's crazy in this day and age I know folk will say well it's that country's culture you, you can't say that but come on it's ridiculous. Some uh, strong statements from Forbes. Uh, they say soccer will soon be America's third f- favorite spectator sport which it's kind of believable. Overtaking who then? Well, I think football is number one. Yeah. I think basketball is number two. Yeah. So then it would uh. overtake baseball. Um, and and baseball. Wow. And if you think of it that there is first, basketball number two. I, mean, I, think, I, had, I had thought baseball was no, number two. No, I think two. basketball is number two. Maybe if you look at overall numbers because they have more games. That may be baseball, but it may be per game. It's actually basketball. Wow. Basketball is very popular right now. But uh, I think it's because, of, first of all, a lot of immigration. Um, yeah, and then you so you have a lot of people watching that from in America, and but I, they're, they're sending all the immigrants home, so maybe it's going to fall the, down the, the picking list again. But they're bringing the Norwegians in. Oh yeah, well they love their football. Yeah, um, luge is going to be the, the third most popular sports in. Uh, UEFA bans six multiplayers, including two, including two for life for uh, fixing games. It was the U twenty one games qualifiers for Euro uh, the European Championships, so the uh, fixing is still in. Tell you, I've watched a number of Scotland games over the years that I wish the game had been fixed. They just played that bad. It's hard to tell sometimes. North American Soccer League to skip spring season. Yeah, it looks like they're playing. They're going to be playing from August to yeah. May, so they're playing the FIFA dates. Um, so they'll be they'll be soccer in the winter. Yeah. Now, when when uh, MLS is I, off, I do like. I, there'll probably I love be a it. winter break. There'll yeah. probably be a winter well, break yeah. at some time. I I love it. Um, it's a great bold move by NASL. Yeah. I I can't see it working. Yeah. You have lost Edmonton from the league at least, so at least you don't have that. But unless they're gonna just have games played in California and things like that, but you see what's happening in California this winter. Wildfires, mudslides. Uh, they have a winter break in Scotland now in the Premier League. But the the problem in Scotland is you can't guarantee... Like We get snow in March and April in Scotland. East Fife had a game postponed in July for a waterlogged pitch. So taking a winter break is not a guarantee that you're going to avoid the bad weather. Yeah, for sure. Um, another uh, uh, decent article um, it, from MLSMultiplex.com is it's a kind of an offshoot from uh, Sports Illustrated. Um, it's uh, it's uh, look at the twenty five plus expansion teams that are joining MLS leagues, uh, not MLS, sorry, all US, US leagues USL. across yeah. all, all US leagues, all US leagues across. Uh, I think four levels or five levels or whatever they have. So it'd be interesting to see there. Canadian news. Uh, oh, we talked about the Herdman appointment. Uh, but the one article I want to mention is the uh, 11.ca, uh, worst kept secret in mm. Canadian soccer. Zambrano was on a hot seat from day one. I'm obviously not part of Canadian soccer because I had no idea what was going on here. I Apparently I'm not either because yeah, I had no so idea we're, either. We're on the outs. Yeah. Um, but clearly these guys, and the thing is with Steve Sander too, he does talk to a lot of guys. Yeah, he does so, some really good stuff on that yeah, site. So definitely check that. Uh, the, and I meant to mention that actually when we, when we were talking about and, it. And I guarantee you his article will be much better than a certain person's article from Toronto. Yes, we won't mention him. Yeah. Um, Boo though. 
uh, West Ham, uh, your club, yes, is targeting uh, Burnley's two million dollar rated Scott Arfield. Yeah, all for this. So, but that's going to stop him from coming to Whitecaps. Oh, I'd rather okay West Ham. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Although it would be fun to talk to him here. So, yeah. but th- there's other clubs interested now. There's some more Premier interest in them. So it's not a, a done deal. West Ham are looting good just now. And yeah, they're, they're they're on they're on the up up for yeah, sure. Yeah, destroyed Bournemouth yesterday. That was a good game. Uh, Morocco 2026 World Cup bid hires international consultants. Um, yeah, I read they, this one. They, they this hired was interesting. A, 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 it's from the Metro News. Um, they hired a, a basically a consulting firm from London. Yes, who helped Qatar? Yes, get theirs. But their um, the thing is, is though the the other thing they mentioned in here was that the the U.S. federal prosecutors have mentioned that Morocco did use bribery in their failed attempts in the past. So we'll see how that goes. Well, the thing and you with the Moroccan bid is, like, this is in the article. Yeah. Apparently, all they've really released about their bid so far is two sentences. They haven't given any host cities no or host anything. City. Yeah. And the votes in five months. And it's forty-eight teams, so you you got to yeah. have enough cities and. Well, it's a big country. Yeah. I do wonder though how much the the anti-Trump feeling and anti-US feeling and all with what they're doing with FIFA officials in the court. If that is maybe going to backfire in the US a bit, yeah, um, probably not enough. Not but enough, it might no. be a lot closer than some folk are thinking. Because people got to understand, twenty twenty six, he's not going to be in power. It might be somebody else. Even a second term, yeah, he'll Vanka. be out. <laughs> um, Edmonton is, is is trying to get the council to uh, Edmonton supporters, soccer supporters, yeah, are trying to get the council to get them in the running for to host a FIFA World Cup in 2026. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen. Is January 24th is the uh, last date. But they they're also got some other things planned in Edmonton as well. They're trying to get a Canadian PL team there. For sure. And that that would help for sure. But I I was excited when I read that headline, but less excited when I saw it was just supporters. I yeah. thought they had backing no, it's or not money yet. and stuff behind them, but it's a grassroots right now and that's yeah. what I'm saying it might They're be too fan owned and it might be too little too late at this point right now. Yeah. Edmonton needs a team though. Yeah. Last uh, has to. last little bit here, and it's something that um MLS, I'm surprised they hadn't done this earlier, but they're uh they're starting a thing called the E MLS. Which is basically I wasn't going to mention this, but yeah. But it's it's something to get. It's a people. Bit, it's a massive thing. I know. I just don't get it because this is huge in Madden, for example, for NFL, uh, FIFA in Europe. I think I think this goes huge in there too for competitions. Oh yeah. So I I I know esports is massive. Yeah. I I, I know. It makes more say, money than you some like darts. That's not a sport either, but. It makes more actually brings up more money than other sports. Yeah. So if MLS could do this and, and garner more money, it's all all the power to them. And, and it gets Whitecaps more... are going to have a team. Oh, for sure. Uh, I might put my hat in the ring for that. When's the last time you played? I I can't score, but I can defend really well. So okay. I I think I'm made for the Whitecaps team. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I don't get it. I I personally but feel. But you're old too. Remember. Well, there is that. <laughs> And I do personally feel that that is what's wrong with a lot of the youth of today. They're more happy to sit at home and play football on their computer than get outside and play football in the parks. That's what's wrong with Canadian soccer. Get more folk out playing actual football, not sitting on their asses playing stupid Xbox games and stuff. But maybe those players are never—they're not good enough to be outside. <laughs> they have to well, be inside. Yeah. <laughs> but 
there is that. I think if you've got a 40, 40 stone guy, well, he'll be dead. If you've got maybe a 15, 14, let's go with 14 stone guy, <laughs> sitting on his couch with his, his nachos and his beer. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it, but I want to be open-minded about it. I might not sign that just now. I, I admit I'm coming across that way. I'm going to chat to some people about it. We'll get some folk on the show telling us about it. If anyone's listening to this, get in touch, aftncanada.hotmail.com. Come on our show. Tell me why I'm wrong about esports, why I need to know about esports, and why esports is the future. You, Please educate me. No, I, I'd love I, to know. My personal opinion right now, you don't need to know about it. You don't need to even love it. I you do just, if it's going to be big and you, you just can don't get need another to, outlet. You just don't need to hate it. <laughs> That's the only thing. Just have an open mind. I like hate. It's 1 o'clock. It's after 1 a.m. Hate is good, especially at 1 a.m. 1 a.m., just have an open mind. Okay, I'll try and have an open mind. Someone needs, need, needs to convince me that it's not a bunch of saddles. I was good at Pac-Man. I didn't know I could make a career out of Pac-Man. No, that wouldn't have made it anywhere. And darts is a sport before anyone gets in touch. You have to have skill oh, for and sure. math. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for this week's episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Just before we go, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers on AFTN.ca. Check out the article I put up today, Sunday, just talking about Whitecaps youth development. We had planned to talk about that in this show, but we've run out of time. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram at AFTN Soccer as well. And remember to check out our extra subscription podcast. There's still extra time. Find out all the details on AFTN.ca, $3 a month, or you can pay $30 for a year. Also, if you like the show and you listen to it on the podcast, we keep forgetting to do this, but leave some reviews and some ratings on iTunes. If you don't like us, yeah, don't bother. But until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.